how are you? I hope you're having a great day. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the podcast. This is the Between Me and Drew podcast. My name is Drew. Surprise, surprise. Um, And I own and operate a flower farm called Clara Joyce Flowers. We're located in the northwestern corner of Illinois. Um, And today we're going to talk about one thing that we do a lot of here at the farm, and that is growing for florists. And this is a topic that um, I've I've touched on and talked about many times over different episodes. Um, And what we're going to be discussing really aren't new concepts okay I'm, I'm not you know i'm not moses i'm not you know preaching things you've never heard before um but my goal with this episode is to kind of um hit on a key a key few points uh when it comes to growing for florists which is a large part of our business here um it's over half of what we do um is grow for wholesale florists and um that's what we're we're talking about um I'm super excited for this. I hope you are too. If you are new to the cut industry or the cut flower industry, or you're um, not quite sure if growing for florists is something that you should pursue, um, I'm not here to tell you one way or the other. Okay. Not everyone's farm is set up to sell to florists. Not everyone has the bandwidth and the capacity to sell to florists, and that's okay. You know, if you see yourself targeting more so on a retail basis or focusing on markets or whatever the case is, that's totally fine. Okay, there is no right or wrong way to do this um, or to have your foot in the door or um, to get your piece of the pie uh, within this industry because there's so many different facets and avenues. Um, We've tried many of them, and this is one of those that works for us. So um, I'm super excited for this to kind of jump right in. And I I think that this is a very timely episode um, because we are here on the farm in the thick of dahlia season um and many many places across the united states especially northern growers are really you know starting to get into their you know the heart of their dahlia season um and dahlias i think are a gateway drug when it comes to selling wholesale to florists um just because there is such an abundance of flowers when these plants come into bloom. Um, so this can be a great you know, stepping stone or learning opportunity for you to see if this is something that you want to pursue um, based on seasonality. So um, without any further ado, let's jump right in. Okay, uh, I got my notes pulled up here. We are ready to go. So um, the first thing I want you to think about when you are contemplating about growing for florists um, is who am I selling to? And this is the same thing that we've talked about when we were talking about, you know, markets and figuring out who your your ideal client is. Um, when it comes to selling to florists, you need to understand that not all florists are the same. It may be easy to, you know, put and and lump together florists as a title and put them in their own little box but that's not really how it works because there's daily florists there's um you know specialty florists that just focus on funeral work there are florists who just focus on weddings that in a brick and mortar setting 
There are florists who are not in a brick and mortar and they consider themselves more of a special event designer. Um, and then there's large florists that, you know, are going to crank out 15, 20 weddings every weekend. And then there are floral companies that, um, you know, might do something totally different. They might be shipping flowers. They might be, you know, a completely e-commerce uh, company. And you have to find your little role in that um, that system. Um, so when it comes to, you know, isolating um, a client, you know, figure out who they are. What do they do? Who do they sell to? And and go from there. Um, talk about colors. When you find a company that you f you think you would work well with, um, learn what they utilize. Talk about um, color forecasts. Uh, wedding florists are amazing resources to rely on um, once you build that initial relationship because they are the ones who are booking work years in advance. So they're going to know what their clients are wanting, what their clients are expecting, um, and clients are what are you know, pushing the, the colors that we see for future years. Um, so if you are in a growing industry where you are physically growing a crop that you have to plan on, Having a relationship that is going to kind of guide you in regards to color needs and wants is huge when it comes to crop planning. Um, so lean into that um, so that you are in a better situation or a better spot um, when it comes time to sell to these people. Because they're, they, they're going to know what they're going to need for colors like a year out. And that's plenty of time for us when it comes to planning on our end. The other thing I have um, marked on my notes is to be damn good. And this was something that I kind of was like, I knew for a long time, like you needed to be a good grower when you sell wholesale. But when I was visiting my friend Mandy um, at Blue Ridge Blooms in North Carolina, um, one thing that she told me uh, that she learned when she was doing her apprenticeship and she was working on a flower farm um, in the D.C. area was to be the best damn grower that you can to grow the best flowers that you possibly can um, because that is what's going to set you apart. And as a grower, I can tell you that that is the goal. Our goal is to grow the best product that we can to provide the best customer experience that we can for all of our customers, regardless of whether it's retail, events, or wholesale. Um, but with that, you also have to understand and, and have a very good grasp on reality um, when you think about the fact that there are going to be things that go wrong. And this is something that I still struggle with, like, to this day. You know, we strive for excellence. We strive for perfection. But the reality is, is that we are working with a living, breathing crop that is going to have problems. So when those problems arise... It really doesn't matter what that flower is capable of doing because that's out of the question. What our perspective or where we're coming to that situation from is what can we do as a business um, in order to alleviate the problems that that plant has now created. Um, perfect example. This season um, has been the season of rain here on the farm, which is the complete 180 of last year. Last year we were drought. This year it's freaking monsoon season. And it was like the second week that we were like flush in white dahlias. And um, the day that we were harvesting for wholesale, it was pouring, pouring rain. And the crew hasn't really had a lot of experience having to deal with wet blooms because last year there was no rain. Um, and up until this point, we hadn't run into that this year. Um, 
but the thing is that when dahlias are wet and if they're stored in a cooler um, that's not a good situation um, the insides or the bottoms of those dahlias are basically going to rot um, if you don't have enough airflow um, and if those heads aren't dry going into the cooler and um, it wasn't caught until we had delivered about three grand worth of white dahlias um, and once they were being received by wholesalers and florists that's when we knew that there was a problem um, so we were running around re-harvesting um, fresh white product re-delivering um, offering credits refunds whatever we could um, in order to keep you know to take care of that situation because it was something that just happened um, the other thing kind of uh, to keep in mind when it comes to, you know, being the best grower that you can is um, focus on a, a key few crops that over time, over the years, you have, I don't want to say perfected because there's always room for improvement, uh, but you know that you're good at. And for us here at the farm, um, we're really good usually at growing ranunculus. Um, and if you go back to episode 46, you'll understand uh, my trauma with ranunculus. <laughs> we're also good at peonies and we're really, really good at dahlias. Um, those are the three that we know we can rely on 85% of the time. Um, and, and our clientele knows that as well. Um, and that's what we've built our foundation on. Um, is those for three crops yes we have you know many fillers that you know come and go throughout the season um, perennials that help flush us out we've got um, an annual lineup as well um, that's really cranking at this point in the season that we're in like you know those hot summer annuals um, but if you can build pillars that your clientele base can rely on it's going to make those shoulder seasons a little bit easier for them um, what what I mean is is once our peony season is done um, here on the farm, we've got a little bit of a lull until we get into dahlias. Um, but because our our clientele and our florists know that we have those dahlias coming, um, they're still going to keep buying from us in that little bit of a slumpy shoulder season. Um, you know, it might not be three grand every week from each florist but it'll be something and that's what kind of gets us through and that's where having those perennials and those annuals to help fill that in really comes into play um, so keep all of that in mind as well you know get really good and then expand from there there's a, f a couple other things I want to touch on for today's episode um, and I this one was really um, kind of interesting and tricky um, for me in the beginning because I I really jumped into growing with like full steam ahead even though that like I was still really really green at this um, and that was to build relationships with those who mirror your volume or mirror your scale um, what that means is if you're a smaller grower whether you're you know growing on an acre or less or you're growing in your backyard um, maybe not focus on huge wedding companies that are going to need a thousand white dahlias every week. Um, maybe focus on a smaller volume floral boutique who uh, might do pop-ups or they might do, you know, smaller events or even a retail florist. Um, if you're in a small town, a, a retail florist is a great, great, um, you know, first step. Um, just because it, you don't want to bite off more, can, more than you can chew. 
And I definitely did that when it came to um, wholesalers because the first like big year that we went in, you know, we maybe had 500 white dahlia plants. And I was like, oh, my God, holy shit. I'm going to have to, you know, reach out to the biggest and the best, you know, uh, floral designers in Chicago because there's no way that like I'm gonna like be able to move all these locally and like I wasn't able to move them in locally but there was things in my infrastructure program that like were not in place in order for me to get my product to and to maintain that level of volume for these clients that I was targeting so really I was kind of wasting my time honestly um, because those companies that I was targeting like they never bought anything I was just taking stuff to them for free, thinking that they were going to buy, and they never did because I was too young, too green, didn't have the infrastructure, couldn't promise the quantity over a long period of time, um, and it just it didn't work out. And did I learn from that experience? Absolutely. Um, am I better because of it? For sure. Um, so that is something that is really, really important. And, you know, this is applicable even if you're you've been doing this for a while, you know. Um, if you are growing at a volume where you can supply some of these larger designers um, or just larger floral companies um, who might be moving, you know, 40 of the same centerpiece or 100 of the same bouquets like every week, those companies are following a recipe for their designs. So those recipes can oftentimes be picked apart and they can send some of that quantity to you. Um, that's one of the great relationships that we have with a floral company. Um, everything that they do is based on a production basis, and it's all um, broken out by recipe so that any one of their designers that they have working for them can recreate that reliable product because that's what their customer is, ex is expecting. Um, so because of that, we're able to receive orders from them that would look like um, we need a thousand stems of um, focal flowers or we need 500 stems of assorted filler where we need you know 40 bunches of assorted greens um, and and that is fantastic because they trust us to produce that volume and to deliver that on a consistent basis and we're able to do that um, because we have you know we've put in the time we've put in the resources we've invested in our infrastructure um, so we can facilitate clients and um, purchasers that are working on that volume um, same story goes to um, designers. You know, one of our best florists that has honestly been with us from the very beginning, and she has been through some shit shows with me. Um, we're now to the point where she can call me and be like, hey, I had something fall through, and I picked up another client. I need a thousand white dahlias. And I'll be like, no problem. No problem. I can, I can do that for you. You need a hundred bunches of cafes? Great. No problem. I can make it happen. But we've spent literally like six years working together, you know, figuring out her tastes. Um, everyone on the crew knows who this florist is. And when they see her name on the cut list, they're like, okay, this has to be perfect. Because that level of expectation is there. And we just respect each other such an incredible amount that, you know, we want to do everything we can to make sure that that experience is top notch. Um, and they will let us know if it's not, <laughs> and that's how we get better, honestly. Um, so that's, that's huge as well. Um, one other thing that I want to point on, this is going to be a shorter episode today. Surprise, surprise. 
Um, it's crazy season, so we got to keep this short. Um, but the last thing that we're going to touch on is that florists are business people. So you really, really, really have to monitor your costs and your inputs. Um, keep in mind, depending on who you're selling to, their expenses for their business is going to look different than other people. So if you're selling to a retail florist, brick and mortar, they've got either rent if they're renting their space or they've got taxes and upkeep if they're if they own the building okay they also have payroll they have insurance they have electric they have all the other utilities on top of um product cost for fresh cut flowers they've got the maintenance on those flowers they've got um if they're selling hard goods they've got that involved too so um if you you have to keep all of that in mind if you're selling to a designer who um, might be doing pop-ups or um, is maybe working out of their house or their garage um, they still have expenses too are they do they look different than like a brick and mortar yeah absolutely but they're still there um, so just understanding that florists and designers and everyone in the floral industry um, this is their job okay if you're if all of your clientele is um, people who are just doing this for a hobby great fantastic good for them but I'm not in that boat okay um, so you have to remember that product must be resold and I don't expect you and I don't want you to know who everyone's final client is you don't need to know what everyone is charging for their product once it's arranged and designed but what you do need to understand is that you need to be competitive um, when it comes to florists and negotiations happen. So you need to know what your really your bottom dollar is. You know, what do you have to make in order to justify growing that crop? And this is where um, you need to have like all of your, you know, shit together, basically, because um, you need to know what your inputs are. So what it costs to buy that bulb or the tuber or the plug or the seed. You need to know what your fertilizer costs are. You need to know what your labor expenses. Um, you need to understand really what the hell you're doing. And all of that we've covered before. So we're not going into that today. You can go back to episode five. It's a really great resource to cover on pricing. Um, so that's a huge resource for you right there um, but the reason you need to know that is because if you've got like a 20% you know margin that you have to have like that's what you're gonna like feed your kids on you can't be cutting into that um, when it comes to pricing and this is what cracks me up we're gonna go off on a little rant here this is what cracks me up um, we get emails all the time um, how much do I charge for this what should I charge for this blah 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 blah, blah. I'm new I don't know what to charge for dahlias. Okay, well, that's great. But, like, what my inputs into my dahlias are here on our farm is going to be different than what you're doing. So even though I can tell you, like, hey, never charge less than $1.60 on a dahlia if you're selling on wholesale volume to a wholesaler. Or I can tell you, hey, never charge less than $1.85 on XYZ. You know, that's fine. But it's not the same. Okay? It's not the same. You're not selling to the same clients. You don't have the same relationships with that client as I do. You you haven't been doing this for, you know, this this long with the exact same client. You don't have the same expectations as I do with my clients. 
you don't have the labor inputs, you don't have the infrastructure costs, you don't have XYZ. So with that in mind, you have to do what is right for you. Okay, and this might piss some people off, and I apologize. No, I don't. I'm, I'm not apologizing for this. Um, but just because someone tells you, oh, hey, you should be charging, or you need to charge, you have to charge, blah, 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 you don't have to. Okay? You have to do what is right for you. Stick to your guns and keep moving. Having said that, repricing happens. Repricing happens all the time. Prices change. I just received the wholesale sale list um, from our local wholesale house today. And I there's a few things that I kind of keep tabs on. Um, Delphinium is one of them because we grow that in the spring. So I like to keep an eye on what that price is doing. Um, mums, mums in the fall. I like to know what disc buds are coming in at. Um, I also like to keep an eye on what snaps are at too. Um, prices are up like a lot um we use moss for weddings we buy preserved sheet moss and that's up like 20 bucks a case over where it was last year when i bought it in bulk i think i bought like 15 cases um so like you you have to understand that like florists are used to ch prices changing that's that's how the market works that's how it is so if you go in um, at Dahlia, on Dahlia's, white ball Dahlia's, okay, let's say you go in at $1.60, and they snatch them all up, and you're like, shit, I could have made 100 extra dollars if I just would have, like, raised my price. Okay, great, well, prices change, so let's say you go in next week at $1.95, and they're like, whoa, why is this 30 cents cheaper, or 35 cents more than last week? You can say, well, um, ma'am, I had to hire, you know, XYZ person and I need to do account for gas increase and I'm delivering this to you so I'm now charging you a delivery fee because I know that you're going to be a reliable customer blah 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 and you're expecting that service from me prices can change and that is okay if your offerings reflect that that's fine okay there you go that's what I got Pricing can change. Uh, Flourish of business people, too. They have to resell that, so keep that in mind. Um, and, uh, yeah. Short, sweet. Do your job. Take care of your customers. They'll take care of you. And um, know your clientele. Know what they want. Know their volumes. And have those conversations. It, it will be intimidating if you are starting out, I promise you. It is going to be very nerve-wracking. You're going to feel like an imposter sometimes when you're like, hi, um, I'm new, but how many stems do you go through of this in a week? Or how many stems of this do you go through on a monthly basis? You know, whatever the case is. Um, asking those un uncomfortable questions is going to be important. They're going to need to, you know, share that with you if, if they are mutually invested in this relationship between the two of you. Um, if they don't care, then they're not going to respond. So, like, don't, like, be annoying if that's the energy you're getting. Um, because if they're choosing not to open that door, don't keep knocking. You can knock maybe, like, twice, but, like, after that and no response, just move on. Okay. Um, you're going to be fine. Doesn't mean you can't go back the next year and knock again twice, but just don't piss them off. Um... So, there you go, my friends. Um, 
very short, sweet, simple, concise, to the point. Next week, we're talking about uh, cashing in on annuals, um, which is something that we heavily rely on from year to year, are those amazing summer annuals. Um, So I hope that you will join us for that. And then the week after that, for episode 51, what? what, um, We are talking about growing lilies in crates, which is an episode sponsored by Leo Burby out of Ohio. Um, And that is also releasing on the week. I have to pull up my calendar. The week before Burby Fest, Bulbs and Blooms in Ohio at Leo Burby. Are you going to be there? I hope so. I'm going to be there. And I'm going to be talking about growing ranunculus, anemones. I'm also going to be talking about woodies, woody cuts. So curly willow, pussy willow, um, dogwoods, things like that. So yay. Fantastic. So that's what's coming up. That's what you should expect. Um, As always, thank you for being here. Um, I'm going to be very straightforward and honest with you. This is the busiest part of our year, like right now. Um, all the way through the end of October and probably into November is just going to be absolute chaos. So, um, I appreciate you being here. Thank you for, you know, sticking it through. Thank you for your words of encouragement. Um, I just got an amazing message today, um, from someone in Italy. It was either Italy or France saying that they listened to the podcast. So like, if that's you props girl, thank you for being here thank you for oh france they're from france shout out to france um yeah (laughs) anyway let's wrap this sucker up um follow us on social media um clara joyce flowers on facebook and instagram we also have a wedding account uh where you can look at our uh past book of work um clara joyce weddings on instagram so you can check it out um, if you do have questions, um, you can send me an email, drew at clarajoyceflowers.com. Um, full disclosure, there is a strong possibility that I will not be able to get your, to your email. Like, and I have, I apologize for that, but <laughs> I will do my best. I promise. Um, also this is exciting. Um, our fall launch is happening October 1st, 6 PM. It's a Saturday, 6 PM central time. Um, so that's when all of our tubers, um, for spring shipping, spring shipped dahlia cuttings, spring shipped um, mum cuttings, um, all that will be available for purchase October 1st, 6 p.m. Central Time, clarajoyceflowers.com. Um, once we get closer and I start working on actually like updating and listing things on the website, I'm sure, I promise you, that I will be posting about this. Um, so stay tuned for more details. And depending on your streaming platform, please feel free to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast to be notified when a new episode is available, which is every Friday. Um, We share that at 9 a.m. and then it works its way out into your streaming platforms from there. So that's the thesis. That's what I've got with that. Um, Wishing you a happy day. Have a great one. Um, Stay focused. Stay positive. Drink your water. It's a great day. Winter is coming, I promise. Um, and I will see you next week to talk about annuals. Goodbye. <laughs>